Hello, welcome to That Geek Pod. And today we have a very special guest, one of my favourite people. It's Emily Lind from Cantobite Dispatch. How are you going, Emily? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's the 1st of March here and it's the 29th of February where you are. Time is weird. Yes, but I think I think we'll, we'll manage to get through it anyway. <laughs> yeah, so we're in new era of Clone Wars. I know you're not a big Clone Wars fan, but um, it's, it's sort of weird watching Clone Wars episodes one week at a time rather than, you know, like whole arcs. Yeah, it's it's weird for me to be watching it while other people are also watching it. Yeah, it's it's good though um, to have something new to talk about, and you know the streaming services uh, are wonderful. I'm I'm now up to date with Picard, and Picard is ripping my heart out. Um, do you watch Picard, or are you going to wait? I haven't. Well, I've watched like 15 minutes of the first episode. I don't know. I was so excited about this show. I think it... Okay, this is going to be a weird thing that people only understand if they have a certain type of weird anxiety. But I, it means too much to me to watch it. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be let down yeah. by it. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. it's very important. Like I still, I I haven't watched. Still, they just um like it's been up for a month now. But the last half of the final season of BoJack Horseman, maybe my favorite show on TV. I can't bring myself to start the final episodes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Picard. I was a while in starting to watch it because I admittedly dragged my feet on getting my Amazon um, membership, which I had to get here. But, yeah, it's definitely a lot of pressures on it. I think it's good, but it's very different. It's it's dark. Um, For the episode last week, I was sobbing, just sobbing. So just be warned. Okay. Be warned, yeah. Oh, and this hot Romulan, hot Romulan. <laughs> I'm all for a hot Romulan. Yeah. There's also a very elvish-looking Romulan. Like the Romulans all have different haircuts. It's very weird, and they haven't given me an explanation yet, and I need the explanation. Maybe maybe Romulus is finally, like, loosened up a little bit. <laughs> well... They're not on Romulus. They've all been evacuated. A lot of them have been evacuated. There's been some disaster, I think, linked to a supernova and the events that were happening um, in, well, it had been that J.J. Abrams um, Star Trek movie, but not not back in time, but in our time. Okay. You know how Spock was, um, he was doing some kind of experiment or observation and then somehow got thrown back in time, I think. I have, I'd have i have to re-watch part of that movie to confirm. 
I'm just going off memory. But, yeah, it's you get a little bit more each week. They reveal little bits and pieces. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Lots of Romulans. I've always, and, yeah, I always I liked the Romulans. Yes. The Romulans and the so, Cardassians were always my favourite. Oh, yes, the Cardassians. Um, I haven't. I was re-watching Deep Space Nine for a while there. I have to get back to that. But, yeah, the Cardassians are so chew the scenery bad. They're oh, awesome. I love it. Galdicott's mm. one of the best villains of all time. <laughs> he He's up there. He's so evil, so oh, grandstanding. But then you also, like, you get the episode with his daughter, where you really, like, even while he's still awful, like, they really build him as into a person, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah, they they do so much with Gold Kash and, and, of course, Kai Wing, the other most evil person. Oh, I hate her so much. <laughs> she's, oh, yeah, she's just so, I can't describe her evilness. She's just evil. There's something about super religious villains that always mm. are like an instant extra level of hate from me. Yeah, she's so self-righteous and oh, just what I say is the right thing because I am Kai Sure, she got to be Kai by manipulation, but anyway. She's, oh. Yeah, Deep Space Nine is still, I think, my favourite Star Trek. I don't think anything could replace it. No, that one, that one's very, very special for me. Mm. And it was the first one that really gave us Star Trek with continuing story and real character growth. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, Picard is definitely far more in that vein. He, They're going off a you know, number of things that did happen in Next Generation um, and how that affected Picard. Yes, his assimilation um, comes up. It's a rather important moment in his life. Yeah, and you'd think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, to spoil it a little bit for people, um, Hugh the Borg pops up as a character in, in Picard and they get the original actor who was Hugh in that one or I think two episodes he was in. So it's like, oh, my God, the the eye for continuity is amazing. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been enjoying Picard, dreading Picard. So, yeah, last night I was want, wanting to watch the latest episode and I was like, I'm not going to watch this right before I go to bed because it's going to make it could make me upset because I was sobbing the night before. Oh. <laughs> so I I had to go, okay, I'll watch this first and then I'll finish up my night with some 
nice, gentle British Doc Martin. Um, there you uh, go. Yes, yes. A, you know, a, a village doctor in a Cornwall village who's got a phobia of blood. It's very good. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a couple episodes. Like I never, I never watch it regularly, but I've seen a few here and there. I am an old woman. I love my British um, gentle <laughs> village dramas. Oh my god, the amount of Midsummer Murders that I have watched as a thirty-six-year-old American is probably unfortunate. Yeah. You can't go very long on on Australian television if you've got Foxtel like I do without there being a Midsummer's Murder episode on. It's been going for so long. My question is, why does anyone live in this county? <laughs> what I love is, like, the the reason behind the murder is always something that happened, like, 30 years ago. <laughs> It's, yes. it's never just like, eh, like you found out your husband was cheating on you and you instantly snap and kill him. It's always something ridiculously complex. <laughs> Revenge is a dish best served cold. It's got to be brewing and brewing and brewing. And like, you know, a lot of Agatha Christie's, you know, they, they bring a lot of history into it. All the characters have history with each other. And, yeah, it brews. Yeah, I've been on a huge Agatha Christie jag lately. Um, I think probably prompted by seeing Knives Out. Yeah. But I realized how many of the audiobooks uh, the public libraries here have that I can just – because and they have them, they're all online, so I can just download them through their digital system. And I and because you know they're kind of short books, I can generally get through one in about a day of work, maybe maybe two days if it's a longer one. But it's kind of perfect for that. Yeah, I I need a job where I can listen to podcasts or audio books. I can't do that in the classroom. Oh uh, yeah, it's probably not a great idea. <laughs> yeah, you know, seeing as I get mad when students have headphones in their ears when I'm talking. I, I can't exactly. <laughs> Probably not the best way to teach somebody while listening to no. like TOEFOP or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots of, lots of swearing. Um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. They've now banned phones here. Like the state government has come in and said, right, students are not allowed to have mobile phones on their person between you know, the hours of school. They have to be locked away. So they're not even allowed to have them in their pockets, not allowed to have them. So, yeah, I have to police that. That's oh, wow. fun. Yep. It's changed the school mm-hmm. in the now now at like recess times and lunch times there is far more so like running around and interaction than what there was but um oh, the kids have had to change what they do because a lot of the kids brought their um phones to school to pay at the canteen with their phone oh okay <laughs> so, yeah 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 who could have imagined phones but 
you know, the changes that they'd make when they first came in, our mobile phones. No one. Yeah. It's so funny, like, watching these science fiction shows and them trying to imagine the future and we're looking at it going, oh, we've got that now. Like, like you watch, yeah, Star Trek episodes from the 90s and they've got these all very flash, you know, basically iPads. You're like, yeah, we have that now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been meaning to watch Birds of Prey. I might go tonight. I promise. I promise. <laughs> or should I say Emma first? I feel like you would probably like Emma more. Mm. Birds of Prey is fun. It's also ridiculously violent. And, I mean, Emma, of course, is <laughs> not ridiculously violent because it's Emma. <laughs> no, not one of those weird Jane Austen's crossed with zombie movies. Um, <laughs> no, like there are some updates, but <laughs> there's no like sudden bloodbath at Highbury or anything. Oh, yes. Um, I asked mum, oh, did you want to go see Emma? And she's like, oh, no. Oh, okay. I'll go see Emma by myself. Okay. Um, but I generally see most Jane Austen adaptations and then I get cross whenever there's changes. But I've got to get over that, especially when it comes to a movie. Well, yeah. I mean, there's whole there's whole storylines that just aren't here because it's, yeah. it, it's a you know, two-hour movie, not a – 12 hour miniseries mm. and yeah and there's some there's some updates but i think it makes it more palatable in terms of the romantic relationships okay because some of that like you look at if you're looking at jane austen from a modern eye like it's not always great in terms of these men that we romanticize no it's it's possibly ruined me, um, you know, romanticising Mr. Darcy, Mr. Knightley. Um, I think Mr. Knightley's okay, but Mr. Darcy's probably a bit problematic. Um, yeah, but yeah. Knight, I love Knightley in this adaptation so much. He's I, I've seen it three times now. I've seen it because it. It's there, which is once a week because I saw an advanced screening that my local theater had, and then I saw it the week it came out, and then I saw it again uh, two nights ago, which is not normally something I do. Like maybe I'll go see a movie twice, but very rarely. But there's something about it's just so nice, and it makes me happy, and the music's great, and the costumes are beautiful. Ooh, so, yeah, that, that's that does sound good. Okay, I'll book myself in. I'll book myself in. Um, yeah, I've I watched um a Sanditon adaptation um late last year. So Sanditon was Jane Austen's unfinished novel. She, the first episode was based off the first of the 11 chapters she had written and then the writer Andrew Davies had taken it you know off in his own direction and 
it went places. It went places. But very frustratingly, it ended on a cliffhanger and it didn't pick up, get picked up for the second oh, season. That's brutal. I, I invested a lot of time, got quite excited, and now I don't know. And there's not even yet a book. Yeah, so you can't even go, okay, the show got cancelled, but I, at least I know what happens in the story because it's based on this book. Yeah, based on this unfinished novel of Jane Austen's. So she's not finishing it. Um, <laughs> Probably not. No, no. Yeah, yeah. have um, you seen or read um, Mansfield Park? You know, I've, I've seen it. I've never read it. Yeah, have, so was it like the 1990s? One or early two thousands um, movie that you saw with Johnny Lee Miller. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that. Yeah, I've, I've seen that one. I've seen a TV adaptation with Billy Porter. Or is that a name? From um, Doctor Who. Piper. Billy Piper. That's it. Yeah. Her being. Um, Oh, what's it? yeah, the main character in Mansfield Park, but um, it's it's an interesting book in that it's it follows yeah our main character whose name escapes me at the moment, but she's so different from the other Austen heroines. She doesn't talk much or speak up for herself, and they really change that for the movie adaptations, which they had to. Um, but sort of looking back, I go, ooh, the, the, the main person in them or the main character she's in love with, Mr Bertram, sort of shaped her ideas and you, you go, oh, is, is that okay? Is, you know? Yeah, that's – it's this weird thing because I – like period drama romances – are kind of the only romances that I like, but mm. they're often not great in terms no. of their content. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I probably shouldn't think too seriously or too long about them because, yeah, otherwise I'll start finding the, all the holes and all the problems. No, and you don't like it to like, uh, like, I'm not thinking about that at all. Like, while I'm watching Emma, it's just yeah. lovely and good. Yeah. And really when I'm watching Pride and Prejudice, all I'm thinking about is how dreamy Colin Firth is. And so that's fine. Yes. 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 Colin Firth, the Mr. Darcy. I'm sorry, Jess Schrader, but yes, Colin Firth is my Mr. Darcy. Oh, definitely. Although, although Matthew McFadden is a pretty good Mr. Darcy. I don't like the rest of the movie, but he's okay. Well, I mean, that's the other thing is I think that, oh, what's her name, the lead and the one with Colin Firth, the actress's name, Jennifer uh, Earl? Yeah. Earl? Yes. Yeah, Jennifer I mean, Earl. She's yeah. so good. Yes. Oh, so good. And, um, and the rest of the family's really excellent as well oh it's 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 so good 
It's so good. So often these geek pods get into Jane Austen talk. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I mean, they're definitely like Jane Austen geeks are a real thing. Yes, yes. I've been to Bath in in England, and yes, Jane Austen geeks are definitely a big thing. I mean, there's a whole subgenre of fiction that is like about Jane Austen fans. <laughs> like Jane Austen book clubs and sort of people like reading Jane Austen and their lives paralleling it. There's tons of those out there. Yes. And there's a lot of continuations of Jane Austen novels out there. I, I know just with um, Pride and Prejudice, there's a few out there. Um, there's Pride and Prejudice from Mr. Darcy's view. There's Murder at Pembley. Um, I've read an article about the other week. There's one which follows Mary Bennett. Um, yeah, there's, there's quite a few out Did there. Did you ever see, what was it called? I got to look it up. Oh, it was called Lost in Austin. It was uh, like mid-2000s. That was British with Kerry Russell. No, no, no. This was, was a it? this was a um, British TV show that was ah. about a uh, girl who is a fan of the book and gets sucked into it. She like trades places with Jane. Yes, I've definitely heard of it, and I think it's on the list. And it's got Hugh Bonneville as as Mr. Bennett. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I mean, it's kind of terrible, but I definitely loved it. (laughs) That's the best kind of show. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a British one. So I think it's only like maybe like five or six episodes, but. Even better. Even better. And yeah, Kerry Armstrong did, what is it, that Austin Land or something? Yeah. And um, oh, the, the guy from The Americans, her partner, he was Mr. Darcy in the Murder at Pembley adaptation. Oh, Matthew Reese. Matthew Reese, yes. I'm not having good name day today. I like him a good deal. Well, I watched a lot of The Americans. Yes. The Americans was brilliant. Whew, yeah. <laughs> and, yes, I'm... I think that's on Amazon here as well. So, oh, God, me getting the Amazon streaming service to watch Picard, it's just, it's problematic because now I've got full access to, yeah, the Americans, um, Farscape, second season of Fleabag, which I hadn't been able to get. Oh, it's so good. Have you watched it yet? (sighs) Not yet. Oh, my God, Andrew Scott. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's <laughs> I mean, I've like I've always liked him. He's great. And obviously, like in in Sherlock, he's incredible. And you know my my taste. So Yeah. But he's he's doing a new adaptation of The Talented Mr. Ripley. And yes. I am very excited for it. Is this a 
a mini series or TV show? Yeah, I'm, and I'm not sure like if it's if the plan is to go through the rest of the books because it's not called the Talented Mr. Ripley; it's just called Ripley. But I think mm-hmm. maybe it'll be like if it's successful, it'll go on. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I've I've got just slightly too much content at, available at my fingertips, especially someone who's watching Survivor four nights a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Australian. Yeah, it is, and Australian Survivor is three nights a week. And it's not like they're just hour-long episodes. Oh, no. Here in Australia, we have hour-and-a-half-long episodes at least. And it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of content. And then, of course, there's podcasts after each episode or each week and exit interviews. And the US Survivor, I think after each episode, one podcast can put out you know, with different um, episodes, about 10 hours worth of content per episode. That is Survivor. insane. Yes. Yep. Yep. I'm not saying I listen to it all, but, yeah, there's a lot out there. So, and, and I don't mean this with no judgment. I'm genuinely clear. So what is it about Survivor that you find so appealing? Should be able to put it into words because I've been watching it for 20 years. Um, it's it's all social politics. It's a social game. The um, social players is how you get ahead in it and it's just interesting to watch people interact. And, yes, the producers can put twists in there to you know, stir things up or to make players think differently. But really it's about how people can form relationships and and reading other people. So the current season of Survivor are all winners. So it's 20 former winners on there. So it's pretty amazing like the first episode was just me going oh my god that person's talking to that person's talking to that person it's <laughs> blowing my mind that you're all on my screen at once um but it's interesting to me because every season is different because there's different people or even if they have returnees there's just a different mix of people and with this um, all winners season, it's interesting because a lot of the players have known each other for years or have played multiple times. And so there's these, you know, in-game relationships, there's out-of-game relationships. Hell, two players are married to each other. They're on opposite tribes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's interesting how all of those connections in this version of the game anyway are playing a part and people considering that and and just other things and it was funny after one tribe lost the challenge they came back to camp and then they just sat there for ages 
no one wanted to walk off to get water because that's the easy thing to go. As soon as anyone walks off, the others look at each other and go, okay, vote that person off because it's all right, they're not in the group, we're in the group, anybody but me. Um, But there's also that I've got to form my key alliance. Who can I trust enough to move forward to the next stage with? It's just, it's all these social dynamics that make it really interesting. Okay. Yeah, so unlike other reality shows, which I don't really watch, some of them I dip in and out of, but like the competition shows, it's not, a competition in such that every week someone gets judged and then voted out and it's not like um, the ones that are on Australian television at the moment like Married at First Sight or um, was it MKR which is My Kitchen Rules mm-hmm. um, where it's all just bitchy, bitchy interplay and drama. It's just... Yeah, pure social play because in the end you've got to vote people out but they then sit on a jury and have to decide who's going to win the money, who's going to win the title, who's going to win the cash prize. And so it's can you put people on a jury and make people feel okay about awarding you that title? And can you own your game, really, in a lot of ways it comes down to. So we've only, this is our fifth season of, in this rebooted Australian Survivor, and we're now in a Survivor All-Stars. So, yeah, both of my versions of Survivor have all returnees. It's, it's, it's a lot. Um, and it's funny that with Australian Survivor, it's over a longer period of time the first couple of seasons was over 55 days as opposed to American 39 days that they're out on the island. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it, it really came down to one person playing a very good game but then not owning it at the end. Like he still saying he was playing this game of loyalty and mateship and people on the jury going, no, you – backstab people you can't say that um and the other person putting in a fantastic jury performance but i think we've evolved a bit past the the old mateship day but that's how um it first got advertised here to australians it's all about mateship huh okay yeah but um yeah so it's interesting with the latest American Survivor, because it's all winners and they've had people going back to the Amber from the second season who won the All-Star season and Ethan from Africa, which was season three. Um, so we're going back a long way. It, it was funny when Jeff Probst was introducing them all, he kept using Apple products as a way of saying, when you last played, iTunes wasn't invented. When you played, the, the iPhone wasn't out. It, it was, <laughs> really, Jeff? <laughs> really? This 
is how we're going to describe everything. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, and and then they got to tribal council, and he's like, Amber, when you last played, kids who are driving now weren't born, and she was just, yeah, thanks, Jeff, thanks. Yep, haven't changed a bit, have I? Um, but it's if you haven't watched in a while, it could be a good one to go into because there's people that from seasons you may have seen, and. Yeah, lots of very interesting characters, including Sandra, who's already won twice. So it's on there to see if she can make it a third time. But even more interesting is that last season, it it was a um, just an ordinary season, but they had Sandra and Boston Rob on another island as the island of the idols where players in the game could go to it. It's a long, complicated (laughs) twist. But anyway, they had these statues of their heads on the island and apparently as the players from this season were going out on the boats to where their tribes are, they went past that island where the giant heads were and so they're just like, what the hell? These people have got giant heads. Heads of themselves. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it is funny. It's been a running joke in Survivor fandom for a few years. You know, who's your Mount Rushmore of Survivor players? And it's like the show just deci- decided two of them for us. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I. I try not to get sucked into reality shows too much, although I've, you know I watch Project Runway and I've watched way too many series of America's Next Top Model. Um, yeah, I do I do Project Runway and I do Top Chef. Yeah. I'm really liking Christian as the mentor on Project Runway. He's... I think he's really encouraging and full of great ideas and he's been there. And also he is much more willing than Tim to just be like, honey, what are you doing? That is a terrible (laughs) idea. It's so good when he does that as well or or when the person won't listen to him and he just stands there and goes, "Hmm, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I like him. You have to defend it. And I mean, he is – he is such a great designer. Like I, I, I know nothing about fashion, but I love the stuff he does. So when he's telling people things, I'm like, listen to him. <laughs> yes. And a couple of weeks ago, they had Leslie Jones as a judge. <gasps> and that was so good. It was so good because normally the runway is so like quiet and because they want to be like, oh, we don't want them to know what we think of it until we're doing the judgments but she's just been like that is my dress i love that dress i want that dress right now while they're walking down the runway i'm like oh keep her on forever please yes and you can see the models cracking up um have you ever seen footage of her at one of christian's shows no i haven't because she, she does that at his real runway shows <gasps> oh, that's brilliant 
so good. It is so good. Also, that green dress was amazing, and I really want it. It is stunning, stunning. Like I hadn't loved what Jeffrey's done, but that dress was yeah, yes. I haven't loved what Jeffrey's done, but I have loved Jeffrey. So yeah. I'm very glad that he had such an amazing look. It it was it just flowed perfectly, and yes, Leslie, that's our dress. That's our dress. <laughs> so good. But yeah, have her on. You could have her on every week, but yeah, watching her just enjoy it is was just the best, the best. And I had liked her on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. I know you don't watch it anymore. You only watch little clips occasionally. Is that right? I mean, I don't even really watch clip now. Yeah. Like I – because I grew up watching that in the, like, early, mid-90s, which is sort of the second golden age – after after the first couple seasons and and I could yeah. never really I mean those those were those were my guys like guys like David Spade and Phil Hartman and Chris Farley and mm. oh geez a whole lot of other dead people um <laughs> <laughs> but no I just I I once that era was over I don't know I just sort of never got into anybody in particular I mean they've had they've definitely had good performers since then and and good sketches but it was for me it was never as consistent as it was back then yeah it's funny for me in australia i started getting access to it when we got cable in the 90s but we never got the whole episode we get a cut down edited version that would run for a bit less than an hour so we'd only ever get one song and honestly it took me years to work out Oh, we we're getting an edited version. We're not getting all of the sketches or all of um, news desk. It, so the last couple of years, I've been watching full episodes when I've had access to it. Um, but what I was using to watch it now don't doesn't have NBC on it. So um, occasionally, a, a very Good friend of the show, Josh Chapman, might um, slip an episode my way. <laughs> okay. um, <laughs> yeah, because it is frustrating watching these edited versions. Um, me being a, a bit of a comedy nerd, I've you know, I'm wanting to watch you know Saturday Night Live. It's like you hear about it here in Australia. You go, oh, Saturday Night Live, oh, my God. And we had... Growing up, I had this one tape of like the best bits of Saturday Night Live. It was like from three episodes. There was a Tom Hanks episode, um, a Wayne Gretzky episode um, and something else. So I got to see some Wayne's World episodes. So I got to see the Wayne's World episode where they um, had the Madonna dream. Okay, that's a good one. Yep. Um, and yeah, a few, few other little things, but that was my Saturday night live. These, (laughs) this one beta tape of 
So to get a world of Saturday Night Live was just amazing. Yeah, we miss out on some things. But I did get The Late Show with the G Generation here, which I think you've seen bits of. Yeah, I've seen I've seen I've seen clips of it. Yeah. It it blows my mind how much Australian content you've seen. A lot. <laughs> and I'm weirdly conversant in like low to mid level Melbourne comedians. <laughs> it's, I I remember on um Stewell's Safe Haven Facebook page, I think I, I dropped a um, JB Hi-Fi joke, like, JB, you've done it again, and you got the joke. Yeah. And I'm like, how? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, mean, I listen to a lot of Australian podcasts. Yes. Well, and especially, like, listening back when back when Steel, um, Steel Saunders had I Love Green Glad Gutters, because that was people talking about tv shows mm. that sort of yeah. i would I'd, or or you know like tv personality and stuff i would i'd be like oh who is that and then i'd google it and i would find out and then you know i would get it when it was referenced on other things yeah it, it's it's just amazing and and you know daryl summers and ozzy Os- ostrich and Diggy me which is like the dicky me thing. I still find like insanely bizarre. Have you watched episodes? Have you just seen like pictures? I've I've seen a couple of clips from YouTube. I've never seen a whole episode. No, no, don't go back. Uh, don't go back. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Saturday was always, I think, a bizarre show because it started as a kid's show, hence the puppets, and then moved to Saturday night, but the puppets came with it. It And, yeah, and so it, it's just was weird and, yeah, Dicky Knee is a very hard one to explain. So for those who haven't seen Dicky Knee, Dicky Knee is a puppet of a head with a, with a cap on it that would just pop up from bottom of the screen and pretend to talk to Daryl Summers. And you only ever see him from behind. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we would just accept this as normal. This was normal television for us. To, on Saturday night, there'd be Daryl Summers, next to him a pink ostrich puppet, Dickie Knee popping up, um, a, a live band who just chiming at any old time, a voiceover guy who just throw insults and then someone who could write jokes on the screen. This was normal Australian television. Yeah, and then a guy in a duck costume comes out <laughs> and, like, gives away cars. Yep. Yep, spin a wheel, give away car or prizes, and we'd have a talent competition where acts were not good, and that was the point. <laughs> and this was normal Australian television. 
6.30 to 8.30 Saturday night. Hey, hey, it's Saturday. (laughs) But, yeah, a lot of acts were on there and, yeah, like musical acts, um, comedians, a lot of comedians got their starts. It was, yeah, that variety show that we don't have now but they tried to revise it. They tried to to come back to it but that was when we all realised, thanks to Harry Connick Jr., that (laughs) a lot of it was um, problematic. And, well, I just, I I don't know if variety shows work now because if if people want that like random mix of stuff they just watch clips of things on youtube yeah yeah i think a lot of i've heard comedians talk about it the fact that there's nothing on australian television now where they can go and do you know a few minutes of stand-up anymore there's nothing yeah and that is a shame i mean at least over here we still have we still have i mean not not every night but you'll get comedians on our late night talk shows on on tonight show and and a late night with whoever does it now yeah it's late night with seth seth what's his name um Uh, myers Seth Myers, yes. I'm really bad with names today. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, that's right. Late, late shows with, is it James Corbett? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I, I know a lot about American television without having watched it. Um, but, yeah, we don't have that anymore. Rove tried to bring back his show, Rove, last year but it didn't work it wasn't getting ratings at all so well they also got cancelled after like two episodes didn't they yeah yeah you've got to give shows like that more time I think there was also too much pressure on it um because he had started on channel nine with a show on a Wednesday night at 11 o'clock at night and that did really well also because it was 11 o'clock, he, was, he could develop the show and get it stronger. And then when he moved across to Channel 10 and it came, the show was on at like 9 or 9.30 or 8.30 or something, it, had, it was developed and there was an audience for it. But, yeah, when he just came back and bang, 7.30 Saturday night on Channel 10, it needed a few more weeks to warm up, but no, people weren't watching. I was, but I'm me. <laughs> I like Rove. Yes, yes. He still's got his Whovians, so he's um, where he gets to talk about Doctor Who every week. So that's good, but yeah, no other, no bands or anything on that. We did have Tonightly with Tom Ballard. Did you ever get to see little clips? No, I of mean, that? I'm, I'm, I, I heard a lot about it because I like followed Ballard on on Twitter and stuff, and I've mm. heard him talk about it on on podcasts he's been on. Yeah, 
it, that was really good. So that was closer in some ways to a daily show um, where, yeah, they talked a lot about politics and had the fake correspondence, as it were. But what was interesting with the ABC is that they cancelled it but still gave them another month to just run riot and they just ran riot. And I, I really miss Tonightly, actually. They did some really great stuff. But, um, yes, the, the the Australian show where you can get on with a band or with a as a comedian is sort of gone. There's have you been paying attention and that's about it for comedians anyway. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. But now we've got um, Celia Pacola. She's on Dancing with the Stars. Um, That's fantastic. Yes. Yes. And I love Rose Haven with her and Luke. I think that's available for you guys. It's on on Sundance. Something here. Yeah. Yes. Or... You could just fly over, right, and and watch it. That's, yeah, there we go. That's what we do. That's what we do, isn't it? We fly over to places and watch shows. We don't pirate things ever. No, definitely not. No, no. Um, we've we've haven't had a chance to talk Farscape, and I know we're both big fans. Yes. I've, I haven't rewatched it since I first watched it because it was always difficult to find, which is annoying because it was filmed here in Australia and yet it was always hard to find. Was it on Sci-Fi Channel for you guys? I think so, but I didn't watch it when it was originally on. Um, I watched it. Yeah, I, when I when I started watching the the finale had already been on. I was it was before they came back with Peacekeeper War okay. to finish it up. But I got introduced to it by a friend in college, and I think mm. the first episode I watched was Crackers Don't Matter, and that hooked me because it was just really. It was really weird, and it's for most of the time. It's this episode for those who want Farsi. It's it's an episode where, like, the characters are sort of becoming paranoid and crazy, and most of the episode is played it is a joke. It's very funny. Yeah. It's very like zany, really quick, weird, and then there's this super dark moment when uh, Crichton threatens Chiana, who's one of the other main characters, and it is super scary because it's just on a dime. And he has her, like, shoved up against a wall, and it is... I don't know. I had never... I'd never quite seen that mix of something in a show before. And I don't think I've seen anything quite like it since... trying to think i think it's its own little thing so for those who've not watched it it was a science fiction show set in far-flung 
places of the galaxy and they had this mix of humans and and non-humans and puppets on a living ship and it was bonkers yeah it was amazing the idea is john Crichton, your main human character is an astronaut and he gets flung through a wormhole and and ends up and the I mean, it's sort of the sci-fi conceit of why do these characters look human, but in Farscape, it actually is a storyline in that there's this alien race called the Sebations that that do look human. So everybody just sort of assumes that he's Sebation and they are the, I mean, they're the empire, basically. Yeah. And he is on a ship with a bunch of I'm not a bunch of a few uh, former prisoners and there's a couple of main villains that sort of develop along the show one is you know this uh, one of the the peacekeeper which is the military organization of the Sebations who's hunted him down and then there is uh, the main one is Scorpius who is just like he looks kind of like a grasshopper <laughs> And he's super yes. creepy. It's it's like a BDSM grasshopper would be the way to describe the look. <laughs> there is a lot of leather. Yeah, a lot of leather. And and it's like they're just uh, Jim the Henson Company did all the puppeteering, so it looks really cool. The aliens are mostly super alien, which I liked. They don't all get along a lot of the time. It's it's amazing. It's an amazing show and it's so imaginative. And and here in Australia, it was sometimes hard to watch because you had to find it. And for a while there, they were showing it 5 o'clock in the afternoon on Channel 9. So you can imagine it was an edited version. So I... Because yes, they swore, they had sex, they it was violent, not graphic, but definitely violent. Um, so I'm kind of excited about being able to, to watch it again. Um, but it was so imaginative and so different from other sci-fi shows that we'd seen up till then, and I think even now. Yeah, and they'll have they'll have standalone episode of the week adventures but there's also a lot of of ongoing stuff that all matters and the characters relationships really change and develop over time in a lot of different ways and sometimes super funny sometimes super dark like occasionally absolutely heartbreaking like seeing these characters you love betray each other and hurt each other and it's just i don't know i i feel like it's a really underwatched tv show but the people who liked it like really liked it you're definitely right with the underwatched i you don't often come across people who've watched farscape um but they are devoted um it's interesting, though, that the actor who played Crichton and the other main um, female actress, they went across to do Stargate in the last couple of 
seasons. Um, so it was interesting watching the two of them having a completely different dynamic um, over on Stargate. And, and of course, there would be a lot of people who watch Stargate who watch Farscape, so they could have little, there was occasional little jokes oh, that cool. were just made it in there. Yeah. There was this whole episode where um, her character kept, you know, imagining things as, you know, trying to tell the story of what they've done but that she was doing it like the Wizard of Oz or other ways. And at one point she was doing it like Farscape, like talking, describing things like it was Farscape and then they just came in and went, well, no one would believe that. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, Yeah, it's so, yeah, he was, I'm just trying to think, I really want to rewatch it all now. Have you watched it through a few times or just once? Or? Um, I think maybe, I mean, I've watched it all the way through once and then I've, I've sort of just gone back and rewatched some of my favorites. Like, and mm. I've watched those several times. Like I've watched Crackers Don't Matter a lot. I've watched the, um, oh, I don't remember what the name of the episode, but the body swap episode. Oh, a yeah, ton of cool. times. Um, it's a few uh, Chiana episodes that I really love that I've gone back to, but I haven't, I haven't, and I haven't watched any of it in a few years. Even though I have all the Blu-rays sitting on my media center. Yeah, I, I know the feeling, um, but it's definitely one I'd love to get back to and then talk about it some more. Um, It it was, yeah, it was one of those ones that no one else I knew at the time was watching it. I think I was just loving it with um, pretending the the writers of SFX magazine, you know, that were my friends (laughs) that were watching it with me. I mean, I definitely read a lot of Farscape fan fiction that was Mm. how I sublimated most of my not being able to talk about the show with people I'm I'm guessing that fan fiction went interesting places I mean it's not all like dirty but it was definitely not even remotely canon because my my feeling with fanfic is if I want canon I'll just watch canon I go to fanfic when I want like I like these two people and they barely ever interact so I want to read about them yeah I think I um you know I had a slight fanfic bent in in the late 90s um with with pretender um (gasps) oh my god yeah holy yeah yeah I mean, uh, by the way, I went back. I would. Uh, I, I stopped maybe like at the second season, but I was for a while there was rewatching The Pretender because I found some terrible copies of it online somewhere. Is it still good? No, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I still really like it. <laughs> But Miss Parker's hair oh, is amazing. Oh, I love her. And I still really like Sydney. Like, he's still great. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's all the um the center stuff that's fantastic. Yeah, the Jared stuff. The that's you know hero of the week, the but yeah, all the center all stuff. All the stuff the center, so and, and once like Mr. Lyle comes in and is like the creepiest motherfucker ever, <laughs> and like this Mr. Rains, who's also like a huge creep. But seriously, the the because this never came out on DVD or anything, so the the copies I found are from VHS rips. So that I mean, it's it's almost impossible to watch. God. They've, they've got to put it out. There's, there's enough discs. <laughs> there is no demand for that to come out. I'm demanding it. Um, surely on some streaming service somewhere, there's got to be a corner. The the internet is infinite. Come on. It took Let's... me. It took me so long to even find the copies that I found. It's really disappointing. That's one thing with streaming services is that there's not a lot of super old stuff, even movies. So are people discovering the like old classic movies? I don't of know the forties and fifties. I don't know because I know like I know you can find that through criterion or things like that but then like that's people who are already interested in those things who are getting those services mm. so i don't know like I, I it's a big it's a big issue i think on on netflix i really wish that they had a lot more yeah because i know that i would have watched a lot of older movies yeah obviously we didn't have we had three channels um that they were just on weekday or weekend midday movie or whatever and you'd watch it so I discovered movies that way and old television shows that way and some of them yeah you know aren't great but some of it you go well why can't people have this unfettered access to it anymore because I keep thinking I should set mum up with like yeah, your Netflix or something, but it's like, well, it doesn't have all the stuff she wants on it. Um, yes, yeah. it's got the crown, but <laughs> no, I would, I'd love to be able to watch like fifties noir films or something like that. Yeah, and I, I had like, I can't imagine that the rights would be super expensive to get or anything. Well, you've got to think. Disney's now got access to the Fox archive, surely. And I don't know who owns MGM, but they would have access to all of that. Um, yeah, but, I mean, the problem with that is Disney's the absolute worst to have in charge if you want them to actually show old stuff. Yeah. they. Not that I want more streaming services, but they almost need to have like yeah their Disney Plus and then have their spin off, you know Fox Classics or whatever, or or something that they can then say okay, give us money and we'll give you this. Come on, I know Bobby I you're no longer in charge, but we're your favourite people. Come on, make it available for us. Yeah. But yeah, the pretender for those people who don't remember. Okay, yeah. 
mid nineties. It so there's this mysterious place called the center that was in Delaware. Why was it in Delaware? Like even I know Delaware doesn't have a lot going on. Um, but they do a lot of experiments on children and they found this child called Jared who has the ability to become anyone he wants to be. He's the pretender. Yeah, basically he's a super genius. And yeah. he when he's and he's been there since he was a kid, but when he's an adult he escapes and he realizes that all these experiments that were done on him throughout his life were often it's like the results of which were like used like in bad ways or sold to bad people and so people died because of things that he came up when he was a kid and so he decides he's going to write this by going out and saving people and some weeks he'll pretend to be a doctor and the next week he's a fireman it's sort of like like quantum leap if it was just the same guy all the time but i mean that's sort of like the episode setup is very quantum leap yeah yeah that's a great way of putting it um and so there were people at the center tasked with finding him um Miss Parker, Sydney, who is his psychiatrist, you know, slash handler, um, Brutes, the the technician, um, who's my favourite. Um, but it really delved into the politics there and the weird stuff going on. And, yes, everyone was called like Mr Lyle or Mr Parker or Miss Parker. Very few people had first names. Except if you had Sydney a first for some name, it's yeah, except Sydney. But he, it was really interesting. And, and Sydney has a dark past, and he had a twin brother. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and it, it went a lot of places, and it was. It's great fun. Here in Australia, I think it started as a summer Saturday night replacement show. And, yes, I kept following it where it went all over the time slot. Um, lasted four seasons and it had a couple or at least one um, movie, I think. I think, I think they were two. Two. And they were on, they were like on a cable channel here. You know, the show had started on NBC and it was like back in the mid 90s and the mid to late 90s, you still got original programming on Friday night, which, which doesn't happen anymore. But it'd be, it would, it never, it was never the prestige shows because, of no. course, you put those on um, better nights. And I think, I, th- I think the X-Files actually started on Fridays before it became popular and moved to Sundays. But there was a spate of kind of genre adjacent shows that that weren't necessarily hard all the way science fiction, but there'd be something, some hook that was a little bit weird. Like a, you know, like like the conspiracy thing here or um yeah strange yeah, glock definitely- is another one 
yeah, definitely um, going off the success of the X-Files, I would say, a, a lot of these. Um, yeah, it it had a lot of, yeah, that the conspiracy side of it, though, the pretender rather than the sort of alien, the alien side that the X-Files had. Yeah. Yeah, it... It was a good show. It was a good show. But, yeah, I probably – I haven't watched that in years. Um, I mean, what well, part of the problem is just – I mean, it was so, so cheaply made and yeah. that definitely comes through watching it, you know, now. But it's still enjoyable. I, th- I think it's one of those shows where it's cheaply made and there's cheesy bits but there's – bits that shine through and there's really cool ideas. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I think I'm focusing a lot on yeah, the centre kind of stuff. Because yeah, that yeah. Was, and that's that's yeah. definitely more present in the later seasons. I mean, that first season, you get a little bit of that. I mean, that first season is almost all just episode of the week stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jared helping people. Jared being a race car driver. Fire yeah. How? Yep. Oh. Scumbag. Um, <laughs> scumbag was always my favorite. Yeah, because he'd, he'd be the 90s scumbag with those, was it the silver necklaces? Um, you know, the really chunky necklaces that they'd wear. Yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking at the um, ring pull, the pull cord thing on my blind and that's what I'm picturing almost (laughs) um yeah so he actually even though he was the title character his part of the storyline actually almost seemed to reduce as the years went on unless they were having him investigate part of the center yeah and it comes a lot more about like Miss Parker trying to figure out what happened to her mother and then, and oh, her relationship with Thomas. Yes, I mean for the five people listening to this who have seen The Pretender and know that it ends tragically, and I was heartbroken as a teenager. And so, of course, there's um a lot of fan fiction out there in which Jared and Miss Parker get it together. Um, Yes. There's a lot out there. I I know it. I've read it. Um, it the show definitely leans on that, um, on that, I think, for for viewers. You definitely see it in there. Oh, yeah. They, they definitely played that up. Yeah. Yeah, they oh, – it, it was – it was really good. And she had the best hair. <laughs> All I wanted in the 90s was Miss Parker's hair and probably part of me still does. It's very nice hair. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, if you went to the hairdresser and asked for a Miss Parker, they wouldn't know what you're talking about. But it it was that there was a part but not in the middle of the head to the side and then your hair was very sleek with a flick at the end. 
Yeah, it was very 90s hair. Yeah, yeah. Hence why I love it. (laughs) And she wore these fantastic um, suits with very, very short skirts. Yes. And I'm convinced that Song by Cake, long um, short skirt, long jacket, I'm convinced that song is about the pretender. (laughs) Convinced. Okay, I'm going to have to go listen to that song. Yes. I haven't listened to it in probably a couple of years. (laughs) Yes. Welcome to Catherine's brand of conspiracy theories. Um, Where I I read too much into things. Um, But, yeah, that was – and, yes, people out there, Catherine may have – Try to write some pretender slash Buffy fan fiction. No, you may not read it. I mean, I definitely have. Uh, I mean, not re- I've definitely <laughs> written. I mean, the, the, the amount of fan fiction that I wrote was probably kind of embarrassing, but whatever. Yeah. Some of it's, so, yeah, that- some of it's not terrible. I, I think I am. Um, because I started it on a on a pretender fan fiction forum, and I was I got some all right feedback on it. Oh God, the the nineties internet. I miss forums. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, I have to teach computing, and I can't. The kids don't know forums anymore. It's like, oh, you're missing out. You're missing out on subject threads and well, very organized. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I think I think forums were kind of the best iteration of fandom because th- threaded conversation, mm. and so you didn't have to be there while it was happening, and you could come in and comment on something, and it would still be right, and you'd see, you know, you'd see everything. It's not like like Tumblr; you'd only see who the, it, it would you know tumblr splits because when somebody reblogs it and somebody reblogs that but then somebody else reblogs it and they reblog person b so you're not seeing whole conversations the way you did in um yeah with forums, forums. yeah yeah and i'm on twitter i i have to have it on the timeline on the um in, in time setting, I can't do that top tweet oh, no. first. No, 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 no. I've I've got to see it as it happens, and and I think that goes back to forum days of being able to see whole conversations and understand what's going on. But yeah, it's not the same. And in forums, you could go, okay, this is the spoiler thread, and these are the other threads, and you could have your own proper conversations about things without yeah spoiling other people because that was a way protected away um and if you wanted to go off on bizarre tangents you had your own little thread for that uh, yeah the first forums i was on was the <laughs> the official fox tv forums for sliders <gasps> sliders where we realised that the kid from Stand By Me grew up really well. (laughs) 
Oh man, that like I was obsessed with that show. Yeah, it again that nineties fairly cheapish looking sci-fi where they they went from one parallel world to another trying to find their way home. Yeah, and it was great. Well, I've I see, I've always loved parallel universe stories anyway. So a whole yeah. show set with parallel universes. I loved it. And I, I think I think part of it is 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 back then there there weren't any prestige science fiction or fantasy shows that I could be watching instead. So if you wanted your genre fix, you were you were watching sliders. Yeah. And and Xena. Um, or is that just me? But yeah, definitely sliders and was it Earth Two <gasps> Oh my God! Yes, you know that—that that is a show that is never mentioned. It got canceled after one season and ended on a terrible cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, I'm—I'm I'm trying to remember it. So, it was like a seventy-year journey to this other planet, something like that. Yeah, and they—they they like crash at the wrong spot. Mm. So then they have to make their way to where they were supposed to be. But, like, this planet's really dangerous and they don't have, like, they know they, they, they don't land, like, at their settlement spot, which had all the equipment and stuff that they would have needed. Yes. And there's some sort of bad guy c- secret conspiracy thing going on that I don't quite remember. Yeah, there was, like, already a, a civilization there or at least remnants of one and or am i getting that confused with stargate universe maybe i know that like tim curry's like a crazy bad guy on that show oh and also clancy brown's on it and i got him yes i've just looked it up now yes clancy brown he is on so many shows oh yeah that i like He's got excellent taste. I mean, I mean, that's the thing about being a character actor is you just work all the time. Yeah. 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 1994. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I'm going to read the IMDb plot summary because it's <laughs> in the future, the human race is living in space stations orbiting a dead earth faced with a debilitating disease attacking her young son, um, Devon, Adnar, and a band of nonconformists leave their artificial environment and travel to a distant planet where they begin a new life for themselves. So team of nonconformists. It's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. The Voyagers find the planet, but their ship crash lands on the wrong side of the globe, forcing them to attempt an arduous and dangerous trek to their ultimate destination, New Pacifica. Of course, New Pacifica. Oh, my God. (laughs) But there's also, like, there's some sort of, like, disease that's spreading on because, you know, it's an alien planet. And I, I believe it ends with the main woman, like, falling into a coma. Or they have to, like, put her in an induced coma because of this, like thing that she gets mm-hmm. and then that's where the show ends because it got cancelled and I'm looking at the rest of the list Terry O'Quinn <gasps> that's um, right walk from the lost oh my god 
and Antonio Sabato Jr., there's a 90s name. Is Rebecca Gayhart in that or am I making that up? No, she is. She's in that, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm now in an IMDb hole. Um, get me out. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, um, 90s, uh, Earth 2. Oh, yeah, I, you know, yeah, that, that were great. But, yeah, I was a Xena watcher as well, so I, I really can't poo-poo anyone television watching. Xena was was good though. Did you watch like Hercules and Xena or was that a step too far? I never got super into them because they were on quite late. Okay. Because that was, I mean, that was syndicated. So it was just sort of on whenever your local, you know, station that owned it would air it. And I I believe it was on like fairly late at night. And I, I watched it occasionally and I would like it, but it was occasionally enough that I couldn't keep up with all the complicated weirdness. Yeah, Xena had a lot of complicated we- weirdness by the end. Um, it was like a 6.30 Saturday night on Channel 10 show, 6.30 or 7.30, Channel 10. So, yeah, it was the Hercules-Xena double when Channel Channel 10 started to position themselves as they knew they they couldn't compete against Channel 9, Channel 7, so they positioned themselves as the young people to 45-year-olds. Okay. As, as like that type of channel. And and they've always – I think they still skew that way um, you know, rather than going up against Channel 9 and Channel 7, although Channel 7 is terrible. Um yeah, so yeah, Channel Ten's the one who had Melrose Place, which is the greatest show. You, you're probably, ta- I was probably too young to be watching Melrose Place, but it was the greatest show. Yeah, I never really, I never did Melrose or Beverly Hills Nine Two One Zero, or any of the uh, like evening soap opera shows. Mm. Zach's just still Saunders and I, isn't it? Just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I watched that new um, 90210 that was on last year. It was so good. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> like to watch them playing themselves, making this re- trying to make this remake of 90210, it was it was so weird. It was so good. I, I give them credit for that concept. Yeah. And you get to see Tori Spelling being a bit more Tori Spelling because I think she's far funnier and smarter than what a lot of people ever gave her credit for. So that was good. Yeah. And... And they referenced the fact that you know, her father left her nothing <laughs> and her, her mother doesn't, you know, didn't give them anything either. So, yeah, they referenced that in the show. 
yeah, the Spelling family is is fascinating. It's it's fascinating. Um, yeah, we've we've really geeked out. We've we've deep geeked. I think is that a new phrase? Deep geek. <laughs> Might be. If, if we if we're getting into Earth two, that's <laughs> all right. If you are listening to this and you remember Earth two, please tweet me because that's one of those shows where, like, I where if the internet didn't exist, where I could re- confirm that that show existed, I would think that I made it up. Yeah, because nobody I, knows it. I'm, there's so many shows out there that I'm sure I've made up and then you deep dive on IMDb one day and you go, it did exist and yet Clancy Brown. did. Oh, my God. Did you guys in Australia, I mean quite possibly not because it got cancelled here because it, it sort of was on maybe 10 years too early, but it was called Profit and it was with Adrian Pazder from later from Heroes. And he was oh. like, just, the, it was sort of almost like this American psycho character and that he was this like sociopathic weirdo businessman. And it it was like, it, it got canceled. It just never found an audience. It's a show that would work now, but mm. didn't back then. But it also had this weird, because he like worked at a computer company that had some bizarre, like, early 90s virtual reality program and so i mean it like even at the time the graphics were terrible (laughs) but it was i mean for for when it was on it was really dark and super weird and it's it's really a shame that it didn't come on later when people would have been like oh my god this is the coolest show ever like anti-hero weird creep dude but that's a show that nobody ever saw no that one i cannot remember and now i'm trying to find it um so yeah basically like you go through the first episode and you realize okay this guy is this guy is kind of a creep he's he's like yeah, definitely an asshole but he's just like this businessman guy and then he goes back to his apartment and he and I, I'm remembering some of the details wrong, but the gist is right. And like, gets naked in this cardboard box, eating like a bucket <laughs> of chicken or something because he was, and it turns out like horrifically abused as a child. <laughs> and like that was like he like was forced to like live in a box or something. Oh, something that like you saw on a show. Now you'd be like, okay. They were like, ooh, like, look how dark and weird we are. But at the time, nobody was doing that. No. Now, you say in a cardboard box and and it, it's sparking memories. I'm not saying that I watched it, but I may have read, you know, stuff about it in, like, a magazine or something. But, yeah, I've just found it on IMDb. And oh, oh, there's a lot of faces in there as well that I'm recognizing from other things. Oh, Catherine, you can't watch more shows. You don't don't watch shows from the '90s again. Um, do you remember there was this show? Um, I think it was once and again. It was 
John Goodman was the original character. Then he was killed and he, his, his brain was put into this other man's body, like this CIA um, asset. Do you remember I, that? I can't remember that what it's called. Was, that was now and again. Now and again. That, that's right. Yeah, that was – I did like that show as well. Jeez, I'm not selling myself as – I Because yeah. there, there was a show called Once and Again, and I think that was like a like family drama. Yeah, single, family drama. Single dad, like falls in love show maybe. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and they were on at the – same time or close yes. to so yes that's why i always get it confused yes so yeah now and again yeah yeah john goodman's brain in the body of somewhat a very good looking man do you ever yes. watch early edition which is a guy about a guy who got the newspaper a day yes. early yes and there was a yes cat. yes okay <laughs> my mom really liked that one it was a good show. It was his friend was Fisher Stevens, yes. wasn't it? Yes, and the main yes. guy is the guy from Friday Night Lights, right? Yeah, yeah, Kyle Chandler. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we're just naming TV shows, but <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. If people don't already follow you and listen to your podcast where can they do that all right the show is called the Cantabite dispatch i do it with my friend Brittany brown it is it's just star wars podcast but we talk about a lot of other stuff um and uh that's on twitter at Cantabite pod and i'm on twitter at ef lind yeah i i love Cantabite um dispatch and the big topic at the moment is the outsider so you're talking the outsider every week and it's so good. And I'm keep up to date with your episodes. So oh, I'm, excited. I'm like a week. I'm glad about that. Yeah. Yeah. The Outsider is, is a very good show. We could maybe chat about that soon. Um, so if you're not already following me on Twitter, it's um, that geek pod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. I'm at Catherine underscore Neen. Sorry. I keep wanting to say that Catherine Neen. Oh. No, that's, that's that's not my Twitter handle. I get confused. I, I was saying that yesterday as well. So I, I need to write down my own name to get it right. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been fantastic talking to you thank you so much for carving out some time for me oh thanks for having me that geek pod will return <laughs>